0: Pastor Xavier Reese and man's preference for temporal, simple pleasures over eternal, simple truths. The fact that there's
1: a God who became man and died for a sinful world is mind-blowing. Do you realize that there's more people that know about Pepsi-Cola than Jesus Christ in the United States for the first time? Wouldn't it be neat if people hungered after God the way they did the new iPhone? People stand in line for days for things. God offers heaven, they go, heaven? Who wants to go
0: there? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The United States Constitution, sometimes called a living document, is the oldest written national constitution in existence. As a matter of fact, because it has passed the test of time, many countries have used it as a model for their constitutions. Well, likewise, the church can be thought of as a living entity, too. And that's because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within the hearts of the believers that make up the church. And coming up, Pastor Xavier details some characteristics of the Holy Spirit drawn from the book of Acts that were evident as the first century church was at its beginnings. Let's listen.
1: We're going to be looking at chapters 1 through 12. At this point, we're almost halfway through the book, and what we want to do is look at the progressive work of the Holy Spirit through the believer, and it, that's carefully recorded in the book of Acts. As we began our study of the book of Acts, we said that the book contains not so much the Acts of the Apostles as much as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Alright? And the book of Acts continues to be written today. Not in paper and ink, but in our lives. The history of the church. Remember that Jesus spoke to the disciples the night before he was betrayed. John 14, 15, and 16 said many things about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you some just to remind you as we go through this and you'll see the correlation. First of all, he said that he would be the comforter, one to come alongside to help us do the work in John 14, 16. Okay? He does it through us. He comes alongside to help us. In John 14, 16, and 16, 13, and 14, he said he would be another of the same sort as Jesus, his representative. Okay? Okay? He's a representative of Jesus. In John 14:17, he's called the spirit of truth. He represents Jesus, I am the truth. And in John 14:26 and 16:7, he is in the believer, sent by the Father as well as the Son. John 16:14, he would not glorify himself but Jesus. Very very important. The Holy Spirit never calls attention to Himself. People are the one that do that. Very important. So, what we want to do with this in mind is we want to see what is recorded about the witness of the Holy Spirit here in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria in order to learn some lessons that He teaches us in chapter 1 through 12 We want to look at eight principles that characterize the witness of the Holy Spirit in the pattern of servant leadership. This is the only type of leadership there is in the Bible. Servant leadership. That's what we're to be, servants, after our master. Acts is the pattern for leadership. First principle, the Holy Spirit empowers a disciple of Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers a disciple of Jesus. We have the promise in Luke twenty-four forty-nine and Acts 1, 8. The promise of the Father, they were to tarry in Jerusalem. Jesus said that there would be endued with power from on high. This is the key verse found in the book of Acts. It's expounded, it's illustrated, it's played out from chapter 1 to 28. You can't miss it. The prophetic promise was empowerment for service. The prophetic proclamation of commission. You shall be witnesses to me. Not for him, but to him. That we're going to live our lives by the power of the Spirit of God. And then our witness for him will be effective. Because we live out the life. You understand? Very important. The prophetic plan was Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria. And the ends of the earth. Jerusalem being chapter 1 to 7. The Holy Spirit was poured out of Pentecost. Making the empowerment of the church. Judea and Samaria is chapter 8 through 12 as we've seen. The pouring out of Persecution. Against the church, there marking the expansion of the church, and then the ends of the earth, Asia Minor, Europe, the world, thirteen through twenty-eight, the pouring out of the gospel outside the land of Israel, marking the extension of the church. And today we go to the ends of the earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Here's your table of contents, as we said, to the Book of Acts. But it began in Jerusalem. Now, Acts 1 4 through 5, Jesus clearly distinguished the difference between baptism of water and spirit. Luke gives us the words of Jesus, assembled together with them. In verse 4, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father that you had heard of me. The clear distinction is John truly baptizes you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, verse 5. There's a clear distinction. Baptism of water, comes after you're born again. It's a public confession of what's happening in your heart. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is for empowerment for service. Men baptize in water, only Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit then teach us that the disciple of Jesus can do only what he enables him to do. In other words, he can only be a proper witness if he's empowered by the Spirit of God. It's the only way. Jesus said in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Apart from me, we can do nothing. The Holy Spirit speaks of Jesus. No one else. The baptism is for service. Acts 1, 8. And power. The Holy Spirit is a real person. The third person of the Trinity. When we get to chapter 5, verse 4 and 9, Ananias, fire lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit occupies our bodies. The temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. This body used to be yielded to all kinds of things. Now it's yielded to God. Change of management. Acts 7.51, the Holy Spirit is not to be resisted by the non-believer. As the Cyrenians were resisting the preaching and the wisdom of Stephen by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be sinned against eternally. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 31-32. Every sin is forgiven except that one. The sin against the Holy Spirit because he's a representative of Jesus, the gospel. You understand? The Holy Spirit can be grieved, pained by disobedience. Ephesians 4.30. The Christian is not to pain, grieve the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not to be quenched. First Thessalonians 5.19. Extinguished, limited in what he wants and is able to do. I need to yield. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He does not force me to obey. I think Peter's the best example of our need of the Holy Spirit to be empowered for service. Before the Day of Pentecost and after, different as night and day. Perfect example. First principle, very important. The Holy Spirit empowers the disciple of Jesus. If you're a Christian, you've got no excuse. You can be empowered for service. It's up to you. Second principle. The Holy Spirit will bring to our mind the answers for people's questions. This is found in chapter two. As you know, verse twelve through thirteen, the men of Jerusalem did not know what to make of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. They were perplexed and they were mocking uh, the men being filled with the Spirit. In verse twelve, their state of mind was confused, and they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, What what could this mean? The natural man can't understand the things of God. You know, he ponders them, but he doesn't really understand them. And then in verse 13, their decision was to make fun explain it as a natural event. Others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. So they try to explain it in the most natural way, but they weren't drunk. As we know, it was only nine in the morning. When you look at verse 14 and 16 of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit brought to Peter's mind the scriptural answer to explain the event. This is a very important principle. When we give people answers, it should be biblical in its context, not out of context. A text out of context is nothing but a pretext. Look at verse 14 of chapter 2. Peter speaks as one with authority, but Peter's standing up with the 11. By the way, there's the twelve. Matthew was accepted as the 12. With the 11. 11 and 1 is 12. At least it was when I went to school. He raised his voice and said. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you. And heed my words. He's God's representative here speaking. The mouthpiece of God. Verse 15. Peter exposes their foolish conclusion regarding the matter. These are not drunk as you suppose. Since it is only the third hour. Of the day. 9 a.m. He gives an answer. But. Not only gives a reasonable, logical answer for their for their mistake, but now he gives the biblical one in verse that follows. But giving the people the biblical fulfillment of any says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in verse 16. The immediate fulfillment we find in verse 17 and 18. I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh, my young maidens, my servants, so on and so forth. And he doesn't even make a distinction and he goes on in verse 19 and 20, to give the long-term fulfillment of the tribulation and great tribulation. And never makes a distinction about it. He quotes the whole prophecy. Interesting. The promises to all in verse 21. So the gospel, the pouring out of the Spirit is to all. Now, the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit teach us that we have the responsibility then to respond to the questions of Non-believers. Every one of us is Christians. First Peter 3.15, as you know, Peter says that we're to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and always be ready to give a defense uh, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always. That means we have to be men and women of the Word of God, right? If I'm going to speak for God, I've got to know the Word of God, right? Very important. And then in verse 16, Peter says, Having a good conscience. That when they defame you as evildoers, those who revolve your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We don't apologize for God's word. We give the word of God as the truth of God. Absolutely. There are many questions that need to be answered to the non-believer in our day. Our world is very, very small today. It's very perplexed about things that are going on. And they need to know the truth. That's to the non-believer, which is mostly the population of humanism and religious people. You can be religious and be perverse because you separate your life. You understand? When you go to church, that's one thing. Then your life's another. That's religion. But a Christian makes no distinction. They live for Christ throughout, all the time. The fact that God created everything, man included, is something people need to know. That we didn't land here by chance or explode. Or that we came from a polywog or a monkey. Every scientific principle, an absolute scientific law, defies the theory and hypothesis of evolution. Every one of them. Evolution cannot be observed, never has been, it can't be duplicated in a lab. That's the basic definition of something that's scientific. And all the laws of science refute evolution. But it's hard to go against it when it's the religion of the state and the nation. It is a religion. You see, you just landed here. You're nothing but an animal. And since you've been a good student, you act like an animal. And you think that people owe you things rather than being accountable to a creator. It brings problems to society. You understand? The fact that there's a God who became man and died for a sinful world is mind-blowing. They need to understand that. Do you realize that there's more people that know about Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola than Jesus Christ in the United States for the first time? Wouldn't it be neat if people hungered after God the way they did the new iPhone? Whoa. People stand in line for hours, for days, for things. God offers heaven, they go, heaven? <slash> eh, who wants to go there? You may not feel like that after you die. The fact that all men must die and then have to give an account to their creator. Hebrews 9.27. All men, all women will be judged. We don't say that with a smack of the lips. We say it with a broken heart. That's why we, we preach repentance through Jesus Christ. I think Paul's a good example of giving an answer. Biblically all the time. As he told the Jerusalem crowd in Acts 22 that nearly killed him. Before Herod in Acts 26. Always biblical. No pressure. We can't convince anybody. We just give the word out and we rest in the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. So the Holy Spirit will bring to our mind the answers for people's questions. And there are many other questions you can fill your list out. So many that people have. That you can give to them biblically. If you know the word of God. By the power of the spirit of God. Now. The third principle. Is found in chapter 3. The Holy Spirit will lead us to. The open doors that God. Is opening. Very important. Acts 1 through 7. The laymen, As you know in the temple. Had no idea what was about to happen. Neither did the apostles. But they were being led of the Holy Spirit. But they didn't know it. You understand. In verse 1. Peter and John went down together as usual to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 p.m., one of the three times. And in verse 2, the layman from his mother's womb was carried to beg as usual, there at the gate called Beautiful. And in verse 3, the layman seeing Peter and John about to enter the temple as usual, as alms, as usual. But in verse 4 through 7, the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter to do the unusual. Or supernatural by giving him a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith to manifest a miracle and a healing in the life of the lame man. The Holy Spirit was doing this. Not them. In fact, when you look to verse 11 and 12, the apostles were also unaware that they were going to be used to preach to all the people in the temple. In verse 11, the crowd began to identify the miracle with Peter and John. Here, they were in danger. Because God is doing some things that people can't see God. All they can see is the man. This is the problem with preachers and teachers. They start believing their own press. And people say, oh, you're the greatest. I've never heard anybody like you. And I've been around this and that. And kind of just listen to it. And then when they get done, say, is not that God good. Now, what can I do for you? And don't even think about it. Just let it go. You understand? God doesn't use me because I'm so great. God uses me because he's just sovereign. He loves me. God blesses in spite of me, not because of me. You understand? And so the lame man grabbed a hold of Peter. And John there in verse 11. In the porch of Solomon. And so when all the people saw it in verse 12. Peter recognizing this wisdom. He says, man of Israel, why do you marvel at this? In verse 12. Or why do you look intently on us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man the walk? Always good perspective. I am but a man. Your pastor is the most common person that can ever exist. You should never think of anybody higher than yourself. We're all saved by the same grace. You understand? Verse 13 through 22, the apostles preached Jesus to the crowd. The promised Messiah. Which was crucified for them. The Holy Spirit was opening these doors. The scriptures and the Holy Spirit teach us the importance of walking in the Spirit, then, to be sensitive to the doors and opportunities God will open to us unexpectedly. The Holy Spirit will open doors in the most ordinary situations at the supermarket, at the bank, as you walk in an elevator. Times when I'm in a hurry, times when I'm not in a hurry. Here's a good one. When I'm at church, it's the easiest place to be distracted. Because I've just come and I just bought this new dress and I'm just gonna kinda strut in and or you know, I just got this new car and I'm driving in, or you know, or I'm gonna just you know. and, and you should be prayed up coming here, having spent time with the Lord saying, Lord, what would you have me to do today? Let me be sensitive when I'm there. You see, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about others. The believer is told to walk in the Spirit, to be led of the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to be continued, to be filled daily with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, 18, 25, Ephesians five eighteen, And many other things the Scripture tell about the Spirit. I think Ananias is a good example of being led by the Spirit, ready to hear. As God called upon him regarding Paul, as we'll see a little more as we move on in Acts 9. And he said, here I am, Lord. Can God call on you and you'll say, here I am, Lord. Or does he have to say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Interesting. The Holy Spirit will lead us to the open doors that God is opening. I, I, I could sit here for hours and tell you about 34 years of ministry. Incredible things. Fourth principle, the Holy Spirit will give us boldness and courage to obey God before man. The Holy Spirit will give us boldness and courage to obey God before man. We find this in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, uh, verse 18 through 20. The apostles were threatened and commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus, but they were compelled by the Spirit to do the right thing. And when the name of Jesus is implied, that means all that it represents. That he's Messiah, that he's the God-man, that he's the Redeemer, he's the Savior, he's the only one that can forgive sin. That's what it implies, not just Jesus, but all that it implies. In verse 18, the leaders of the Sanhedrin called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. See, you can teach in the name of Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Daffy Duck. Nobody will, will be bothered by it. But you get dead serious. And be real specific and limited. To the name of Jesus Christ. You've got problems today. Always has been. It's just problems today here in America. But it's always been in the world. Verse 19. The apostles response. Was without hesitation. But Peter and John answered and said to them. Whether it be right in the sight of God. To listen to you more than God. You judge. Whoa, that's great. Courage. That is so good. Verse 20, the reason was very clear. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Look at verse 29 through 31 of chapter 4. The apostles decided then to pray for greater boldness rather than to be gripped by fear. In verse 29, they called out to God for renewed empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, they've already been empowered different times again. It's continuous. Now look. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. That's good. They called out to God to perform the miraculous in Jesus' name. Look at verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What happened? They were renewed in their empowerment. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, do you think this just happened in the book of Acts? Or do you think that this is still available today? You better believe it's available today. If not, you better go tell the church in China that's underground. That is very alive and powerful. <laughs> under persecution the scriptures and Holy Spirit teach us to trust in God for our boldness not ourselves here is the constant warfare for you to trust in yourself or I Proverbs uh, 3 5 through 7 tells us trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths do not be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and depart from evil real simple The difficulty is in applying it. (laughs) Saying it even sounds nice, doesn't it? But living it, that's the difficult part. I have to die to self. I have to depend on the Lord. Psalm 910 says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. He's faithful. The Holy Spirit will give us boldness and courage obey God before man. Always. Great principle.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, encouraging us to put our faith in a trusted source, the Lord Jesus Christ and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now we need to let you know there's much more to this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up a copy of this message, and the title to ask for is The Witness of the Holy Spirit. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is The Witness of the Holy Spirit. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. More Simple Truths of our supernatural helper, the Holy Spirit. Next time from our teacher, Pastor Xavier Reese.